everybody, Eric Anthony, co-host and producer of the All Things MSP podcast here. And I just wanted to remind you, yes, you, that you can come on the show and talk about what's going on with your MSP. If you need new ideas for your MSP, tell us what you need. It's like therapy for your MSP. So go to atmsp.link forward slash podcast and submit your request. Now, on with the show. Number one, McDonald's chocolate chip cookies are far better than most other chocolate chip cookies. And I'm wondering why and if they deep fry them in beef tallow like they used to do to the French fries. Okay. And how does that relate to being an MSP? Doesn't. The second thing I want to talk about is you ever get like really invested in a TV show and then they have their series finale and at the end of it, you just go, well, And usually I kind of just start the show without Eric knowing, like going, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the All Things MSP podcast. I'm your host, Justin Escar, with OG host, Mr. Eric Anthony. And we have a special guest today. Yay! Kermit, Kermit Wave. Yay! Mr. Dave Sobel's here. Dave! What's up, buddy? Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Here to rock and roll. Just hanging out. Um, this is one of those where I was really excited to have Dave on the show. Number one, because I think he's probably one of the most prolific, uh, you know, influencers in this space. And his content is not like ours, right? We talk about whatever we want to on this show. We're very casual and we just, we do this for fun, right? Dave, you bring it to just a higher level. Like you elevate the entire, you know, I'm going to call it the influencer part of the MSP channel and the IT channel in general, uh, just because of the things that you cover. And well, it's kind of you to say, cause it's also a coded way of saying, dude talks a lot. Like, <laughs> but, Oh, I was thinking more along the lines of he's, we're going to bring you down to our level. <laughs> uh, it's, it's all good. I mean, look, there's, there's a certain degree, particularly cause we work together, Eric, like, like for, from a distillation perspective, like what I do now, I almost sort of took like my favorite five minutes of my old job, which was like the keynote bits where I got to do market analysis. And I sort of always thought like, I'm kind of not bad at that. And I figured, well, let's see if I could lean into it and do a lot of it and see if it helped. And the second bit is, is I think a lot about the fact that MSPs, and IT services companies can't afford Gartner, Canalis, Forrester, like these really big consult, you know, the big research firms, but have that need. And and I, I mean, literally was just covering some data about how low their R and D budgets are. And I figured I was like, well, you know, I think at mass there's some value here if I actually spend some time and, and do that for them, like do that work and put it out as a digital product versus one on one consulting. Yeah. And, and that's why I recommend your podcast and your YouTube channel so much is because you cover the data, you bring in the research that is going to allow MSPs to look six months, 12 months, 24 months down the road to see how the industry is evolving and keep skating to where the puck is going to be, to use the Wayne Gretzky quote. 
I mean, I also smile and go like, look, I'm a capitalist at heart. I like making money and I want to keep as many MSPs alive as I possibly can. And that means like, let me let me tell you where this is all going and give you enough warning that you can start doing stuff about it. Yep. So which I think is a great way to intro into what we want to talk about today, which knowing you, Dave, uh, I want to talk a little bit about AI and how MSPs are using it. And I actually, after what you had just said, I was thinking, well, I could just cue you up with this and then go take a nap for 30 minutes and then come back to end the show. <laughs> but uh, let's you're just... in my wheelhouse right now because because it's it's been a long time since I've been jazzed about a piece of tech and also had the data tell me that it's a real thing. Like, right. you know, because I mean, look, we, we, you know, carcasses of bad ideas over the last few years. You know, remember big data? How about we talk about the metaverse? Like there's so many things that were like the next big thing and they had no data of, of what's going on. You know, ChatGPT just celebrated six months in the marketplace and it was the fastest adopting consumer technology of all time. Like, yeah, that I, should I, tell you what you need to know that there's something here. I think that there's there's so much to cover here, and I know you know for a short podcast we're gonna do. Let's try to let's try to keep it towards. Let's talk about ChatGPT. I want to just I really like uh, what's the what's the Midjourney. Um, that's always a fun one if you're doing art. But let's just talk about ChatGPT specifically and and how it works for MSPs. I'm just gonna start this off with. I see a lot of my friends using ChatGPT. In my opinion, the wrong way, right? A lot of them are using it for social creation they're trying to get ChatGPT to create content for their blogs as opposed to all of us paying for syndicated content or think or, or even writing our own content right so that's number one right. i'll talk about that and the second thing is how ChatGPT should and should not be used as your tier zero tier one support within your organization so let's let's talk about social from the first for the first part because i i I know you, and and I know I, I can see it in your eyes. For anyone who's who's listening, I can see it deep into Dave's eyes here. That as soon as I said Chat GPT for social, his eyes rolled to the back of his head, right? Uh, well, because it's it's like I, I kind of laugh and go, really, everybody? I mean, so so I like to to sort of boil it down conceptually into where I th think these things. I think Chat GPT is a fantastic high school writer, like it, it, it's an infinite capacity high school writer. And uh, do you really want just some high school kid writing all your social stuff? Because that's what you're, what you're saying. I use ChatGPT every single day in the creation of my show. I do not mind telling people that I do that. Let me, let me give you some ins, but I would never have it replace my voice because it's not good at that. It's not necessarily great at advanced tone, at, cre at, at creativity, but it is an incredible partner. And thematically, I'm going to bring this up a bunch of different, different times. AI is not going to replace your job. Someone who knows AI will replace your job. And if you keep applying that filter to the way you think of this stuff, you'll be better inclined to use it. Let me tell you just briefly the way I use it. I write my own stuff. Very proud of that fact, right? Like, but I write my own stuff. But then I, I use ChatGPT as a writing partner. I say, hey, what did I miss in this story? What's the angle I didn't cover? What are points that I might not, might not have considered? And I have a conversation about the story with it. And then I go, hey, help me with headline writing. What's a good headline? What's five good headlines? Tighten the headline. Uh, and I iterate with it and I work with it as a writing partner and it accelerates my ability to create. But if I just said, write me a social media blog post, it's going to go to 
all of the stuff that has previously happened and make a derivative version of that. And that sounds really boring. But you have a you have a persona that's out there, right? Like I was testing this the other day and I and I asked it, who is Justin Escar? And it and it figured out who I was because I have a public persona between aces and everything else I do and shows and whatever it is. It gathered all that information and I don't remember what are we up to like it only reads up to 2019 or something like that. Um, 2021, yeah, it's 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 yeah. got a limit. So it, it it gathered all that information and figured out who I was. It no, it should know who you are because you have a public persona. Have you ever tried just doing like in the style of a Dave Sobel article? Write this. Like, where is that limitation? And I mean, I, I understand what you're saying about being a writing partner, right? Because not everyone has a public persona. Not everyone can pull this trick. But like, have you tried that? Like, what happens when you do that? Well, actually, to be fair, I, when I work with it, I'm not telling it right in the style of Dave Sobel or anything along those. I'm, I'm actually at times I will just tell it things like I need a concise summarization of, of this. I need uh, how would how would you write this if you were a journalist? How would you write this if you were an analyst? I ask it those questions and I get different versions and start comparing. So that I can say like, okay, you know, what would the journalist voice sound like? What would the analyst sound like? What would the business owner sound like? You can get different ones and ask it in those contexts. And again, always thinking that this is something that I'm using and I'm reviewing, not I'm having it do for me. It generally is doing editing or or different or asking questions about content rather than creating content. I tried that one time. I was I was trying to do a pep talk for my team about client engagement and talking about like doing the follow through, whatever it is. And I wrote this one paragraph, one and a half paragraph thing, and I threw it into ChatGPT and I said, uh, "Write this in the style of a business owner." And it started with like, it started off with like, "Folks, today we're going to talk about this." And then I was like, "Rewrite it in the style of a TEDx talk." And it was like, "Ladies and gentlemen, today I'm going to talk about this." And I was like, really interested in the fact that it could change my tone in such a way that I can't do myself, right? Like mm -hmm. I've never given a TED talk, by the way, if you want me to do your TED talk, just send me an email. Um, but like it was able to like take my original tone and my third grade writing skills and make it into something that like looked and seemed, and maybe it was just because I don't comprehend it well enough, seemed way more polished than anything I could have put out there. Right. And, th and this is where I look and say like that iteration is where I think it's really good, right? Where I think it's like, I can take material and I can try different versions and I can get different voices and I can work faster with a writing partner to create stuff. That is generally the role of the editor, right? Is, is that you, there's someone helping you tighten up your prose and do a better job with it. And that's where I think this excels, where I think it's, it, it's also useful in brainstorming activities where I say like, Hey, I've got this idea. What are four other things that I might consider on here? Where, where, or I might say like, you know, I'm, I'm considering this possibility. What are the questions I might ask around that? And it, it comes and it's a great collaborative partner. If you ever use it for, I would recommend trying it in brainstorming sessions, adding it to the mix of like, if you've got a group of people around a table as opposed to replacing them, like it's, that's where it's, that it becomes very powerful partner where I wear, warn people off is the idea of, of thinking that you can singularly replace something with AI. It's like, yeah, that's dangerous territory, everybody. That's where you lose where, where you lose the subtlety of what you're trying to intend and getting the messaging really right.
So yeah. let's lead that. Let's lead that right into because I feel like a lot of people are using Chat GPT, and it's it's being incorporated to a lot of PSAs now to yep. be the first responder for a lot of support tickets. So right. you're not. You're not so I love you. Responder, let, like what's the story there? Well, let's take shitty automated emails and make them worse. Like, <laughs> like, 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 like seriously, I mean, come on, everybody. You are, you're literally in the support business, right? You, you, your value is about the ability to interact with customers. That is the number one thing that, ha that retains value over time is your ability to help them. You're yeah. going to automate that away. That's insane. But you can take frontline uh, customer service people and you can take two month employees and make them like six month employees because that's where the data shows the acceleration is, is that you can give those frontline people tools to be better faster and more engaged using those tools but i would smile and go like you're really gonna put one of these things in between you and your customer that's a horrific idea but why is that different than one of those current non-AI related chatbots that like pop up on your website when someone's like, help me with my Zoom. And it's like, here's four articles I found on our knowledge base about Zoom. Like, yeah. is there anybody like, anybody like, like that? That's also a horrible idea. Yeah. Nobody likes yeah. that. Anybody like that experience either? When I think about the typical IT service provider in this space, right? Let's break, sort of break it down. 80 some percent of, of these are people are, are le doing less than $5 million in revenue. These are not massive scale organizations. Your competitive differentiation is white glove, better service, personalized using humans. Like that's literally the bit. Now I totally get everybody the make that efficient, make them as, as you know, best as possible. That's where we apply tools to that. But your value is your boutique ability to engage them and deliver high value information and recommendations do not lose sight of that that's where you retain value yeah. over a long period of time and that's why i smile and go like really you're gonna outsource that find me humans that like dealing with those automated chatbots because they're not out there <laughs> what right. those businesses are doing is trying to achieve scale on a massive front that you are not trying to achieve in the typical it service provider right right so we've we've talked about how you know msps can use it we've talked about how we shouldn't use it i think the other important topic is how can msps help their clients what's the opportunity for msps to help their clients engage with ai yeah and this is where it gets like super exciting right so this is because again Go back to the core value, everybody. Remember what the value is. I mean, and everyone always asks me the question, like, ah, oh, do you think IT service providers are going to survive? And I'm like, yeah, if they remember their core value. The core value is helping small, mid-sized organizations and customers with their technology needs, right? That's the core value right there. And their technology should drive their business, right? It should be something in the business that becomes a thing, right? We help them. And my, I do a good, better, best model of, of uh, the way you analyze this. But the, the best, right, is, is if you're driving revenue. So what we want to do is we want to help our customers drive revenue using AI, 
That's what we're trying to do. And I look at this space and there's a, a theory that the guys over at the Tech Meme Ride Home, uh, Chris and Brian are super smart guys, and they've come up with this, this theory of AI models as, as similar to the way winemakers apply grapes. Right. So they look and say, like, different grapes will get different results in wine because, you know, by, by the, the production and the taste and all of those kinds of things. And I love that model because I can extend that, Dave, thinking, thinking this model and saying, OK, if that's true, a sommelier is a wine expert. That's someone that pairs a person to the right wine for their experience. That is the IT service provider, is pairing the right AI based on its model, based on its capabilities, understanding the underlying models, the technologies, and applying that to customers in the right way. And last time I checked, sommeliers are incredibly well-paid roles in restaurants. I love spaces that look like that. And so I look at it and say, that's your analogy. You want to think about this as your expertise as an IT services company is understanding the capabilities of the different models, then understanding how that applies when they get implemented into products and into solutions, and you help your customers achieve that using those tools to do better and drive more revenue. I've now made it mandatory that my entire staff listen to this episode. <laughs> I also thought about the idea. I also thought about the idea of the IT sommelier, and I was in my head while you're talking, trying to come up with like an acronym for that that replaces an acronym we already have in the industry, like <laughs> ITSM, AI, AI, ITSM, like something like I don't know, whatever. But but, but I, your I'll also push back and go, no, no acronyms, everybody, no acronyms. Stop, stop with the yeah. acronyms. We don't need more of them. We actually need to talk to customers in these basic terms. It's super important to explain yeah. to them in a way that they understand. And you can say, look, there's just, and you can use analogies like this, just like there is different grapes and different wines, you get different outcomes with different models. And what we do is we help pair you to the right solutions. I would also like to put out there, if we're going to stop using acronyms, can we start putting vowels back into company names? Because <laughs> the, the, I saw some clip on TikTok where some guy was talking about he started a new company with some stock trading app and uh, the company name was Giraffe and the people were ro roasting him and they were like, you got giraffe.com? And he's like, it's J-R-F-F. And they were like, get out of here. That really that is not giraffe, please. Right. And by yeah. the way, we're all going to type in the correct, the, the, the correct spelling and go the wrong place. Yeah. Put, put in, put in no more acronyms, put in things. Um, so, okay, fine. So if we're going to train our clients on how to use AI, right? We now, like, it's weird because like we have to follow some set of rules of we're not going to use AI to generate. We're going to use AI to edit, but we're going to train our clients to use AI to work better with their existing businesses. And then we have to figure out, okay, well, if they're a creation company for whatever, whatever they're creating, like, how do we keep them from doing that? And like, I feel like that's a perpetual, it's going to be a perpetual cycle. It's just going to keep cycling that like we need, I think we need Dave Sobel's. We don't do this right now. You can write this down. You're going to take this idea and run an amazing blog article. In fact, have an AI write it, but we need Dave Sobel's, uh top the, the the 10 commandments of of ai right i want to see a picture of you i want mid journey to create a picture of you holding two tablets up like moses and the big, the, like the whole thing but yeah. so just a, a smile and go 
let's not reinvent the wheel here. One of the things I cover on my show all the time is kind of moves that are happening on a legislation front. There are AI frameworks being put out by NIST, by Congress, by the Defense Department, by Microsoft. Like there are frameworks you can apply to your customers to guide them on ethical principles for the way that this, these technologies should be applied. Just because there aren't laws yet doesn't mean that people haven't been doing the work on this front. You don't want Dave's version of it. You want NIST's version of it. You want the DOD's version of it. You want the one that actually has been vetted and been, you know, that your tax dollars have gone to creating. Take that stuff and apply it to customers. That is literally what it was designed for. Yeah, but I can't go, my friend, the people who work at NIST, I can go, my friend Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, last I checked, they've got way better clout than I do. I'm working on it, but they've got way better clout than I do. I think, I think in the Mac world, people would just go, I don't know who either of these people are. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Well, but once the laws come into place, the laws are going to be based on NIST. You know, a lot of the DOD, CMMC is based on NIST. So it is important to adopt those frameworks um, as your basis point, because those are what are going to evolve into the regulations. Right, exactly. And plus, by the way, every, you know, like, look, and I'm, tend to be pro-regulation for a lot of reasons, but putting that all aside, don't do that work. Somebody else has already done the work. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, go take the guidance that's already out there and start applying it. That's what it is for, literally what it is for. I like playing with, I did a presentation and I and I, I precursored it. I used, a, there's a PowerPoint, well, a slide deck kind of uh, one called Tome, T-O-M-E dot app, I think it is. And uh, I, I said, write me a 10-slide PowerPoint presentation on why nonprofits need to beef up their cybersecurity. And I just let it run. I let it do its thing. And I started the presentation with, hey, everyone, I purposely let the AI make this entire presentation, uh, not because I don't like you, but because I wanted to see what would happen. And truth be told, I ran out of time before I could make this presentation. And they it was weirdly enough, they loved it because... They got to see now cybersecurity, which, you know, for the most part, it was right. And then also uh, what AI could do and how bad AI failed. Because there were some, right. right, there were some like images where like uh, it was supposed to be like a person with a shield and a phone. And then it would all like melt together like a creepy horror movie. Like there, are, there's a time and a place, really, I think is what this is coming down to. And even with that, the reality is, you're right, I should have edited, I should have edited that, uh, that presentation, because there were a hell of mistakes in it on top of everything else. Right. I mean, um, it, there was a there was a law case recently, The New York Times did a whole article about a lawyer who literally had his brief written by ChatGPT, uh, and just submitted it like didn't check and it was full of like references to laws and cases that don't exist. Uh, it, it's, I mean, it's there was that's not how it works. One. There was a medical one I saw on TikTok. Yes, I'm old and I'm on TikTok. Um, there was one where uh, it gave ChatGPT certain symptoms, and it figured out that there was some the the thing that was wrong with this person was this very rare disease. Yeah. And ChatGPT was right, and so then yes. they pressed on it and they said, "What were your references to figure this out?" And it spit out a bunch of references, but all the references were fake. <laughs> right. Well, they, but what's interesting is there's also they've been running some tests Some researchers have run some tests. And I literally just covered this on the show where they were running questions from consumers out against ChatGPT versus doctors. 
and they're actually able to get better diagnosis and more empathetic responses out of the bots than out of doctors. Now, I will freely say that where I think this gets interesting is combining the two, right? Because one of the biggest issues, particularly if you think about both from an IT perspective in terms of our own techs, but if you use doctors as a proxy for that, it is really hard to keep up with all of the information that's kidding you in a fire hose. But if you're training models on all of that and it's able to provide information much faster, it will take you down new ways of thinking and provide information much, much faster. And they are iterating and getting better and better on the hallucination problems. OpenAI just announced the new changes to their way that they're testing, and they're seeing new improvements in the way the models work. We're going to get there in terms of increasing reliability, but everybody always talk, assumes that we're looking for perfect reliability. We're not. We're looking for it to keep pace with humans who also make mistakes and then improve that. And I like this idea of bringing the two together to make our doctors much more informed, make our technicians much more informed. It's, we're seeing it in law cases. One of the areas that it's great at is doing summarization. Like AI is really, really good at simplifying these things, taking inputs and, and summarizing them. Again, you can move much, much faster with the two together. I'm really thinking about WebMD at this point because, like, you you could put in whatever you wanted to WebMD and it told you you had cancer. Like, it did not matter right. what. Right, because the end state you always end up with cancer. You always end up with cancer, and the amount of people who have gone to doctors with their with their printed WebMD results because you know they broke their finger. I'm fearful for doctors now because people are going to go into ChatGPT and try to figure out what's wrong with them and bring that into doctors as well. I, this is not a show about doctors. We'll we'll spin up the all things doctor podcast another day. But um, well, like, but but again, let's you can for every look, again. That's all humans using it the wrong way, right? It's humans right, right. saying I I assume it's going to give me the right information where I'm not an expert to do the analysis. I'm going to give you a counter example. Uh, again, one that I just pulled from the show recently, where researchers were working on new antibiotics. And what they did was they, they put their information into to a generative AI and did analysis on it. And they asked it to give likely candidates for testing for improvements to the antibiotic. And the, and the AI spit out a number and they found one. They found they they use that information to narrow down the area that they were testing, and they use that to get a much more effective antibiotic much faster. And that's, that's cool. where I look and go. That's combining expertise with data analysis and moving faster. Your example is the one where, yeah, of course, we put non-expertise who's unable to understand the information, and that's what happens. Yeah, my example is like my next door neighbor <laughs> throwing right. stuff into what her kid found. Her kid showed her ChatGPT, and she decided to throw a bunch of stuff in there, and then think and takes it all as fact, which you know, it never really because it's the old adage, right? Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage out, right? Yep. So but this is this this is why I'm excited about the space, right? Because it is complicated. We like complicated problems. Anybody in our space, we should like complicated problems, right? It's the ability to pair technology with expertise and people to deliver better results. And there are good ways and bad ways, not correct. There's not one going to be one solution, which is the final reason why I like the space. When there are lots of different ways to solve the problem, that's good for us as solution providers, because there's lots of different ways to make that work for customers. And all of that equals high value services. And high value services is what drives profitability.
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's why I got excited about this, because, again, you see that the adoption shows us it's happening. More and more surveys are showing us that users, people are actually using it at, at their jobs. There's an element of they're not willing to tell their bosses about it, which makes it even more complicated and interesting. And the adoption numbers are so wide that we can say, OK, there are actual real cases where people are using this and being effective with it. Love spaces that look like that. Well, as expected, this topic has been something that we could probably talk about for a very long time, but people typically like podcasts that are less than 30 minutes and we've already exceeded that. So, um, Dave, any, any last words on AI? You know, keep leaning into this. This is, and there's no one answer. Love spaces like that, but that means you're going to have to keep learning and iterating. You're going to have to lean into this. It is not going to necessarily be easy. That's good news for your profitability. And real quick, I was going to say, there is one thing you should lean into, and that's listening to Dave Sobel's podcast and shows. Uh, really good at those. Dave, where can people find you online? I'm easy to find. You can find all the shows at businessof.tech. There's a big blue button. You can catch it on all your favorite podcast platforms or on YouTube as a video show. It comes out every single day in the news form. And we do long form interviews on the weekend, about 15, 20 minutes with experts in these various topics to help you learn a little bit more. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Uh, and you can find all of us online. Also, we're on all the podcast apps. Dave stole my line. All the podcast apps plus YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash at all things MSP or find our big old Facebook group at facebook.com slash group groups slash all things MSP and join the group. Find out when this show is uh, dropping. Join the uh, live streams. There's always new content happening in the group. Leave a like, leave a subscribe, subscribe, hit the bell, do all those things. Leave us a one star review. I don't care. We're just, we're really egotistical and I promise we'll do better next time. That's it for me and Eric. Bye.